Guys, the boys over at Kyogre Broadheads have a great deal going on their 175 grain pilot cuts. Jump onto the kyogrebroadheads.com.au website, select the 175 grain pilot cut in either 6 pack or 12 pack, add to the cart, head to checkout, and input the quantity of 3. Use the promo code 24, which is the numeral 2, F-O-R, and your first pack will be free. So that's either a free 6 pack or a free 12 pack. Sounds a bit like beer. Awesome deal, so take full advantage just in time for the rut. Guys, if you're like me of late, I've had a hard time in finding what arrow shafts will like to run for the 2019 season. Weighing up costs, durability, consistency being the major factor, and overall shootability will seem to be quite the task. After several strong recommendations for close mates, I was introduced to Shane from Bowhunters Domain. Now the BHD shafts are hand-selected and matched by Shane himself for consistency with quality stainless steel half certs and with a few other options in the works. They come in the 250, 300 and 400 spine shafts, suitable for a wide range of setups. So with that in mind, and Shane's very humble but confident advice, I was quick to order. If you're looking for an affordable arrow shaft with excellent customer service to back it, then jump onto bowhuntersdomain.com.au and while you're there, use the HCDU10 discount code on checkout. Toby Hollers, how are you, brother? Good. 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 We're in the lovely Good Sydney. Oh, Sydney. <laughs> they, 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 get, they get twice as much rain as us down here and they all they do is stop driving and go crazy. You know? <laughs> Runs in the gutter. Oh. Fills up Ian Summers' pool. He's, yeah. aqua- he's yeah. aquarium, as he calls it. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like good carp breeding ground. Oh, I bet. So what's been happening, man? What have you been up to? It's been a while since you've been on. Yeah, I thought I thought I'm overdue, actually. Oh, sorry. Getting uh, getting talking withdrawals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been. Oh, I got a bit of hunting in over Christmas. Um, trying to get more in, but work got a bit busy, and I've got a bit on this year. I'm going to get a um, across the dish for the first time to hunt twice this year. Um, hopefully the second trip's a big one. Yep. So I'm going to pop my cherry in a big way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely going to tear the hymen on that one. So it'll be 14 <laughs> days over there on the West Coast. Um, that's the plan. So, yeah. What date's that? Yeah. Uh, I think it's like the 5th of May to the yeah, 20th. Right. And then we come fly in, get in the cars and drive down to the uh, Hunt Expo in Melbourne. Yep, yep. So, yeah, that'll be that'll be a trial by fire or whatever you call it. Just, um, recurve, yeah, I think recurve, I'll be right recurve, recurve or compound. Oh, recurve, mate. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm a stubborn. <laughs> I'm stubborn. I'm going over with fat. You can, um, you, you, can, you can you can call it stubborn. I'll call it something else. But <laughs> yeah, it's still got a T in it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Oi, did you move? Because I was just getting the static coming through. Um, you good? What about now? Yeah, it's better. All right. Don't move. See, how, see everyone, that's how fussy Skype is. I'll just sit dead still. Sit still, don't move. As long as it doesn't start raining again, we should be good. Yeah, that's probably what it is. It's probably that storm. I've, that's bloody hard to do this stuff, but... So, mate, you bloody, you've been out and about. I know that because I've seen all your posts come through and you keep sending me text messages. But uh, how's it looking over your way, mate? Well, 
I haven't been out since the last little um, adventure. Spin, spin with the machine gunners, um, <laughs> but they did put the wind up. And I'm pretty sure because um, the boys went out for a look on our block and said they didn't see much at all. Yeah. But um, they were moving. Yeah. The, yeah. the deer last time. Yeah. So. But yeah, it's it's a bit like last year, from what I can see, very minimal sign. But it's still too early, it's only the start of March. But yeah, they, yeah. so we're at, we're yeah. in. Oh, we'll touch on fallow first because that is the season it is. But um, they're in a bit of a transition period at the moment with Nobo. Yeah, yeah. I was out when I was. Um, I went out when they first rubbed out. I managed to take that that buck with the recurve. Yep. Um, Saw some good deer that day. Just by chance, they were up in, well, the the Yanks call it the Rim Rock, but on the on the Liverpool Ranges there, it's all um, volcanic and at the top of the mountains, like high up, where the rocky outcrops poke out. There seems to be a lot of that's the only spot that there's green pick or the moisture seeping out of the rocks. So yep. just by chance, I spotted the mobs um, actually way up high. They're never there. I was chasing goats. I was trying to do a bit of uh, <laughs> cleansing of the male species in our goat department um since i've decided to do that i can't get near them but <laughs> I'm, I'm meters away from every other hunt but yeah, yeah this time I can't get near them now i want to kill them um but yeah i was out and yeah saw some some good deer actually when when i was um i'd actually stalked through the mob around the edge of this rocky like bluff the wind was howling up the gully and sort of perfect wind and at 20 meters i had a, a really solid mature curled over buck at 20 meters for a good 10 minutes and then sitting mm. completely open in the in the tussock and i had one dogwood plant to my right and that uh that buck was standing behind it i didn't see him and he walked out and went to cut in front of me and this big fella, so he, he got shot. But that <laughs> big fella was there and I saw another couple of big boys yep. um, later on, but they were gone two weeks later. So hopefully they they should all be making their way to wherever they, they ride. They'll take their time. They're going to eat their way there, yep. um, I think. And then that, that aerial shooting... In those four particular, it's in, if anyone doesn't know, it's in four particular valleys. Um, I don't need to name them. They're well known enough for the people that do know them. Yep. The four particular valleys which are overpopulated, which was the original release point, um, was in one of the valleys for red deer and fallow deer in the area back in the 70s, I think. They released yep. the reds yep. and later with the fallow and then the deer farms and releases and everything else. But um, those four particular valleys, but... Hopefully, when they hit them before, they were batched up. Um, when they hit them this time, I hope they're all spread out. Um, but, look, that is what it is. We've got to shoot the deer, keep the numbers down. I just lost, um, you. I just lost you again there, bud. I haven't moved this time. Yeah. Hang on. Might be the weather. We're back. We're back. All right. All right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Toby's in amongst the storm down there, so we're just losing reception. So, but we're back. We'll see how we go. So where were you? Talking about? <laughs> no, nah, you were saying that um, there was, you know, particularly a few valleys 
in all yeah, the yeah. there they're getting hit so um, yeah I don't I can't I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen um, it'll go in cycles though. the numbers will be low we'll see massive holes like I said in the last podcast about age groups you'll yep. see less numbers a year 100% um, you'd, you'd have to yeah. argue that quality might pick up though because I mean there was that many deer that inbred and all that was starting to happen uh, yeah, but that inbreeding but front, but this is a, a thing with, uh, it's different with these areas that are satellite based, but where the areas are like high population densities, a lot of them, the uh, the bucks, the same bucks will service most of the does in that particular spot. Yep. Like the bigger ones, the better looking bucks. Yep. Um, even though you've got shitty genetic ones that are, running around or got traits that are undesirable. They mean the same traits that are undesirable to us are undesirable, apparently, to female does, female does. They're all female. <laughs> Believe it or not, they haven't had <laughs> issues like us. So um, I think they all think they're girls. But, um, yeah, they, they, they seem to find those same traits attractive in a, in a buck which, is, which thinks he's a boy and knows he's a boy. And they, um, so they don't. Um, my understanding is they don't find those those poorer traits attractive yep. unless they're desperate. So yeah, they're just they're they're spreading as well. The the, the drought is causing numbers to spread out. They're the same. The numbers yeah. have been there all the time. They're just high density and the heavy timbered stuff and running yeah. on the fringe. But now they're everywhere. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And I mean, you can. I had someone say to me only yesterday that you know they were driving out past Canada or something. There was a mob of hogs. You know, just on the road, like on a on a main road. You know, there's forty odd pigs on the main road. You know, like it just it's just a drought that changes everything. Um, yeah, it doesn't really matter what kind of animal we're talking about. To be honest with you, it's mm, uh, it's going to change any kind of normal habits. So, yeah, I guess you know, at the end of the day, I think we just I don't know, you just get your block, get hunting, and see what's going to come of it. Really, I mean, we can't sort of probably try and predict what's going to be there. No, and people have. Um like someone went into Kev's at Bowman's taxidermy and took in a pretty tidy deer and I saw a photo on one of the Facebook pages of a, a nicely palmed buck shot in the area. Yep. Um, sure it was in the area and um, I reckon it'd be the same deer. Um, but, yeah, just saying that there's still there's still good deer out there but it's times like this you need to um, – I've never been too – like it's it's annoying the thought of them shooting heaps of deer, but at the same time, it doesn't it doesn't get me rolled up or anything because there there is way too many. Yeah, um, I mean, it just seems a fucking waste to me. That's that's probably the biggest it, thing that it, annoys it, me. Biggest thing. It's an an asset. We so in New South Wales, we're not allowed to have um, see, like we're talking the other night and and um, game ranches. Yeah. You know, you can have guided services on private property, but you can't have a game ranch like you can have in Victoria. Yeah. Um, we're specifically set out to breed trophy animals that can be shot. So that means that the deer, um, they've just got no value. They're yeah. valuable to us as hunters, but... That's where it stops pretty much. So the farmers can't... Well, they can through guiding and stuff, but they can't literally look after their herd, manage the herd, and then charge people and, uh, you know, it can't become a livestock type of thing, yeah. um, which no one ever doesn't seem to push the fact on. Uh, might be something to push 
in the Fishers and Shooters Farmers Party is push for that yeah. um, ranch-style thing which would give the animal a value because then other farmers may see that. And then again, whereas hunters, uh, we're not, so some of us out there are making things bad by, well, we're all to blame, um, especially as bow hunters. Oh, I'll take full blame. I used to smoke heaps of deer. Yeah. Um, when I was sitting with a rifle, and I picked out the bow, and I don't shoot. You become selective kind of deal, and yeah, I shoot what I what's hard to shoot, and yep. shoot. I'll shoot with a rifle to eat, but um, to prevent a cull happening again, we really need to just go out there and do to eat. Yeah, it's. I mean, where where does it come into it though? Like I know you and I have both been affected by. You know, saying that there's no value to the deer, but I tell you what, there's a lot of money getting thrown around to, to managers and and cockies oh, and that to, for for access and stuff. So, you know, I don't, I'd, I'd play. You know, I'd probably play the you know the devil's card no, there and it, saying it's only, it's only that's us hunters that value it. Yeah, I think yeah. The the so I know properties that get bought out for April, and they'll get paid a sum for April, but the 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 fence damage. The crop damage, like one of my blocks, which has taken a slaughtering, I hunted this block for 20 years. Um, I don't think I'll go back again. It It's copped it from the chopper and the spotlighters, whether the choppers have pushed it off and the spotlighters, I'm pretty sure a lot of it's to do with pressure. Yeah. But um, they'd lose, it was no joke to lose 150 acres of sorghum. Yep. That's worth more than what anyone can pay them for the animals. Yeah. So, and well, growing probably, up. And it, it probably comes it, back to that. You, yeah, well, I suppose we contradicted probably my, my argument there. But, you know, you said before, you know, we get we pay to get onto this block. But then at the same time, we only shoot, you know, two to three or trophy heads, if you want to call it that way. And then so we're back to square one where the numbers aren't controlled. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a... I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer for it. There's not as a as someone who grew up. An easy one. Yeah. There's it's it's either have them, and there's not enough of us to have an area locked up for paid hunting to have enough people paying. If you know what I mean, like we're not we're not all going to pay two or three grand to shoot a deer. Um, everyone wants their two hundred plus buck, and with the density of the population there was, everyone could have a 200-plus buck. Yeah. Not 240s, not 230s, but definitely you could walk around two years ago and see a 200-plus buck in every part of the – like, it, was, it wasn't difficult at all, but um, they got all the others to go with it. Yeah. So it's still possible that you've really got to shoot. It's got to be doe numbers. Uh, so that'll be the biggest influence. But then again, the issue arises of that we have this behavioural thing of of um, the dose spread out a bit more, but you'll get a mob of bachelor bucks at 70, 80, 90 deer deep. Like yeah. there's 40 spikers in it. And, and that coming in, they don't spread out. They'll come in one big mob, just walk in a line off the mountain um, down onto somebody's oats and and they're not they can't Go to sell it like yeah deer eats one and a half times a sheep so you look at the value of a fat lamb versus yeah. um the 200 a population of 200 deer so even 
even with a value, they still haven't got a big enough value to justify it against the farmers unless they're dedicated to maintaining that. And then you need the acreage. So it's all, it's, it's just going to, I think we're just going to have to play it as it is. We've just, I've got nothing. I've got no answer for that. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, someone like yourself that, you know, I know there's a few others making sort of headways with it as well, but, you know, you kind of get to see what's going on daily, really. I mean, you know, the rest of us sort of seem to poke our heads up when it's hunting time, when it's, when it's the rut sort of thing. We don't sort of take much notice any other part of the time of the year, but, you know, there's got to be some big changes, as you said, like from, from back five years ago when you were chasing them to now. You know, it's very, Even, very different times. Oh, even, yeah, I, I was fortunate. Like my, the the beginning of the deer was, I'm not, not sure, I can't remember the details. It was back in the mid-90s, I think. It, like um, what put deer in my particular access was a truck from the deer farm there. Yep. Um, had an accident and 16 deer got out straight onto the ridge behind my parents' place. Yep. And, uh, and that put a good stronghold. They're only about seven or eight k's from where they're loaded onto the truck, I think. Yeah, right. um, they didn't go back. They didn't return. They came up straight up the ridge and stayed right on the hill and the, the couple of thousand acres surrounding um, there, and which are all pretty much gone now. But um, yeah. that I was hunting them from day dot, never never knew but yeah saw that saw that to a point where we'd go out when um and shoot 10 at night easy yeah under the lock yeah no question i didn't didn't know it was illegal didn't know anything it was it wasn't there's no such thing as facebook and it's not like they come and door, knock on your door and say hey you can't shoot them yeah, <laughs> it's just the like, they're on the farm they're there so you um go and shoot them but we were eating them so we'd chuck, we'd fill the back of Hilux up. Yep. I'd go up to my mate's dad's house and um, get butchered up and sausages and corn venison and and everything. So, yeah, and that, that, I always had them in high numbers on that spot. I didn't even realise it, but now it's everywhere else. And then, and see, talking to farmers that growing up there, seeing people, seeing the deer on the sides of the roads, driving like my hunting blocks 45 minutes from where i live so i drive through all that country again you can you can see the, the you'll know when they're getting bad because they're on the edges of the road they're in the paddocks middle of the day like before even at high population you wouldn't see them yeah they, they were out of sight but now you see them like it's not that they're, they're gonna they're, survive they're numbers they're just spread out they're everywhere yeah yeah I mean, I, you know, I started, shit, when I really started getting it, like, you know, Barnett was a kid, you know, it's probably the late 90s, I was trying to think now, yeah, late 90s, early 2000s, I suppose, like, I remember, I remember having, going hunting on one of those pretty well-known properties out there, which is now, you know, well-known for deer, and we hunted that for three days, and I'd never seen a deer, like, we'd never seen deer for years, I didn't see deer for years. You know, and we were, we were hunting areas that now are very, very well known for them. So it didn't take long for them to spread. Like, they weren't... No. They, they really haven't been around. Like, do you... Don't get me wrong, in the original herds, I know something you know, there's going to be people correct me on this info, but from just the areas that I've been, I know there's rig, really old original herds, but 
you know, just in that Hunter region, like they're, they're not that old. No, there's a lot of seeding <laughs> going on. If, um, if you read, um, what's his name from New Zealand, his book on the New Zealand fellow, he talks about a herd that's been established um, in one of the valleys or the valleys up there, and it took them 40 years to migrate 10 kilometres. I think I said this before. Um, Say it again. So 40 years to migrate 10 kilometres down the valley. And what it was, this is the big, this is the effect of the drought as well, is that why they, they're quite territorial in where they'll stay, which is why they return to the same area to, to rut. The does will stay in the same area. The bucks will batch in the same area. Yep. They'll head off to, to grow out. And why that can sustain it doesn't matter. They will stay. Why that area sustains that population. Yep. And then so we've still had these in in these areas, like especially Tawari, perfect example. Everyone knows it. That is where they're all staying. Yeah, there's a high population because it could sustain them. So suddenly, and along further parts of the range this is applying to the Monaro region as well get ready guys down south because you're going to cop this very very soon it's in the pipeline like choppers are they're warming yeah, they're, up they're, thre- they're threatening it very quickly so you're in the same exact same boat and so that that was sustained quite well we had good we got generally got good rainfall and good feed nice fertile soil but as soon as that dry time hit they didn't get sustained, and that's the that's the thing. Not I wouldn't say the population goes exponential as well. Like yep. you know, as the population booms, it booms quicker and quicker and quicker. So that and the drought just blew them out. Yeah, like it just went bang, and then it kind so of put the, a, it kind of put a it kind of puts a spotlight on them, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden the public starts seeing them, and then you know cars are hitting them, and farmers are seeing them daily. Yeah, it just so, puts a big. You know, yep. big exclamation marks on them, I guess you could say. And and we had it good for a while as hunters, but like I said, and coming back to it now, the best thing to be doing is to maintain a population um, with within your property, like maintain it to a number. I know I, I where I one of my blocks, we don't shoot any does at all, but there just isn't any there. There's they there's maybe twenty in yeah. six hundred acres. Um, it's not a very really – it's not pasture improved. Further over the mountains got cropping and stuff, so that particular block doesn't have a lot, so we don't shoot any. Yep. And then slowly we might get a couple more a year, um, and then only half of them have girls. So they don't, and then, and then, like, they're, um, they don't seem to stick around, so we don't shoot them. But really, if you've got a block, you um, – you, you should just keep the numbers low. Be not, it's, it's great to be able to select out of 10 bucks, but would you rather have the years of the problem that we're having now or be able to go there every single year and know that you, yes, you've got to hunt. hunting? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's going um, to be the hard thing now. That you know, Knowing that you know potentially you had a block managed well and you had an agreement with your owner or you owned it or whatever it is, but with the outside influences, the chopper shoot, something that's out of your control, you know, yes, they may not be have permission to shoot your actual block, but they're going to shoot feeders, so to speak. They, but they'll push the deer off with the helicopter. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They'll push them onto the block they're allowed to shoot them on. 
um, which is well, it is. It's 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 a hot topic, oh, especially yeah. if we're all spending money. Um, well, we've jumped straight into it. Us, I mean, it's well, I, we've jumped straight into it because it's. I think it's a conversation that we, several yeah, of us and a lot of other people are probably having. And oh, it's been on the cards for ages. It's actually sort of old news when it comes to social media. Um, it is like. It is, but I think the hard thing with social media is you get little snippets of people blowing up. But, you know, I think there's there's a lot of deep root stuff to it, especially when you start dealing with the farmers, and as you've mentioned with, you know, the amount they eat and the the pressures of it. The the drought's the biggest thing. I don't don't care what anyone says. That's what, you know, the farmers have got enough to worry about than some... One of us hunters going there saying, oh, don't shoot me deer. You know, the last thing he's worried about is freaking yeah. deer. So, you know, we've, we've got to understand that. Um, yeah. We and understand it's a waste. We, there's, a, there's a long line of people that you've got to try and get through to, to have that sorted. You know, it's a, there's a lot of value there. But, you know, there's obviously the health regulations and that kind of stuff. That's just a whole other worm. But that's the same as um, goats or anything like that. It's... It's up to, it's, people put deer on a pedestal and, oh, I do, I like hunting them over everything. They're, they're, they're known for being the hardest species on, on earth to hunt. Yeah. There's deer in general, um, which is why we do it. No, well, we'll get to why we do it, but why I do it. But um, there's lots of people that eat goat and goat to them tastes better than deer. Yeah. They, for religious season, they don't eat pork. And they're chopping, chopper shooting thousands of goats on the same note. Their country, they can't muster them out of. Yeah. There's people who eat lots of pork and we're dropping 1080 baits and rolling thousands of pigs via helicopter. So there's lots of, everyone's got their opinions on, on waste and things like that. But I've shot a couple of fat bucks this year and I'm like, how can it be fat? Well, most of the farmers are de-stocked yeah. or the little they have they're locking it up in one paddock letting it get up enough to have some growth but the problem is deer don't they don't judge by fences they don't there's no such boundary so they'll go and say you've got two or three thousand acres and you've got a hundred acre paddock and you've had had 20 mil of rain you know you're going to get six or eight inches of growth in that paddock so you just keep feeding your cattle and you put them in there to give you a break and when you go to put them in there every year in the 5,000 kilometer radius is moved there to eat your green pig. Not that's an exaggeration, but that's why the deer are fat because they go wherever they want yeah. and eat whatever they want. And a lot of places are destocking, so they get the pick of the green pig. So, how far uh, and this I, year, how far have you seen above the normal, so to speak, of where you've seen deer? You know, how far do you reckon they've pushed just in your little adventures just over the last few months from where you would normally see them? Oh, only a K or two. They're yep. just hot. they're just around into like I don't see the bucks like that in my block this early. Yeah. Where it's not my buck. They're just not there. But they're coming in to get the green pick off that rocky right. scum stuff. That not even stuff. they don't even they don't even rut like in that, you know, you when we were walking there when I took you there, that rocky, yep. fluffy country. They don't rut there. They don't come there. They were chasing the feed and the water. Um, the south, southern side of the range got water. The northern side didn't. Yeah. yeah. So there's there bits of water getting held in creeks and, and dams and pockets. And um, 
Well, that, that, we, we went for that walk last year, you know, the moisture sitting up like that, you know, we drove out onto the flat and, you know, it, there was more, there was just enough pick on the, there was just enough pick on the, um, on the, on the bitumen, let alone, you know, on the paddocks. Yeah. 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 And then, then you I've get up in that, we're in the clouds, we had raincoats on, like, yeah. you know, so that it, yeah, as much oh, as the poor buggers haven't had rain, like just now, in the, yeah, yeah those animals aren't stupid. It's it's that'll that's one thing that um, is is water. I think it'll change the running pattern as well as hunting pressure. Yeah. They, where the water is is where the does will be. Even yeah. though the, the deer get moisture off their feed, there's no feed and there's no dew. Yeah, because there's no moisture in the air. Yeah, it's that dry. They're reliant on um, surface water. Mm. So, um, whether really dewy season, they won't have to go and drink. They'll they'll get all their water they need off eating the same as sheep. So, well, yeah, I think anyway, we've. That, I think we've. I think we've, we've flogged, flogged that, that to death. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to, we had to get it off our chest. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that probably see snippets, like you said, on social media and see people. Um, uh, commenting on it, and I've there like I've lived there my whole life in the area, seeing the ups and downs. And one thing I said is that it's a good thing; it'll take the pressure off for a while. And as I've said before, it'll get rid of a lot of the tourists um, that come in every year. <laughs> um, but and and it'll take the pressure off farmers, I think. Yeah, which is really good. They're under like you know what people are like under financial stress. Um, and then having someone who rings up once a year wanting to come up and have a shoot, yeah. they're just probably going to say easier to say no. That's right. Don't bother. So it's I've, just going to take a target off them too. You know, the farms aren't going to go, shit, I've got 100 yeah. a year on my paddock. I, they're so going to go. To, yeah, it's going to, be a, it's going to be a lot quieter. Um, the deer may not be there, but um, I've got other endeavours this year. So um, I... I shot something good last year and it sort of took the edge off for me. So I'm just going to enjoy things this year. There's some different coloured animal to chase. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's good. Off the negative. <laughs> On the positive. Yeah. What do you got for me? Oh, we touched on it before, didn't we? Before yeah. I got cut out. Yeah, yeah, I get to go to New Zealand. Yeah, that was it. That should be good. So I guess, you know, I'm always, I mean, as everyone knows, I'm, I'm always interested in the transition of, I guess, with growth within the, within the, you know, your, your hunting sort of goals. I suppose you say, like, you know, you start start local, and you, you know, it's always something that. What was it for you? You know, you you obviously started at a young age, talking a few stories about shooting deer and that. But you know, how how's it progressed for you? You know, what, why is it New Zealand? Yeah. Like, is it is it the, you know, the, the ability to just drop over there or is it, you know, what is it? What what, what pulls you there? Uh, well, it's a bit of, maybe I'll start at the... Start at the, start at the, start at the beginning. Start at the beginning is probably a better way to say I um, I never, I didn't, with my hunting, I didn't grow up in a hunting environment. Um, I grew up on a farm where stuff died. <laughs> Stuff, yeah, you, you're right. You know. Yeah, I'm just dying here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you got the flu. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, my dad, I 
I could probably count the amount of animals on my hands and toes that he's, I've seen him shoot um, <laughs> that we didn't eat um, as far as livestock goes. And he did a bit of jackarooing and shooting. So we had, we had guns as far yep. as being farmers, yep. but he was never a hunter. Never pursue him. Pop used to shoot, did a lot, a lot of roo shooting when he was a young fella um, back in the day, but he wasn't a, a hunter as such. Yeah, right. And I don't know, but I was just, I always wanted, that's all I can remember is wanting, first off, wanting to shoot. So I started shooting with a, with a 22, uh, a Lithgow 22. So yeah. good Aussie made. Um, I actually wore the injector out on it. We still got it. <laughs> stopped That's a good effort. That's a real good a effort. While. Yeah, I, the first thing I shot, like I don't know, I, I wasn't that young. I didn't start at six or seven or anything like that. I started at eight, just a little bit later. But um, yeah, my parents, we, yeah, <laughs> real late. We 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 didn't have a family farm. We had to buy a farm. So when we um bought the farm a few years later, we had a drought so things are pretty tight um with that so if anyone wants the effects of buying a farm than having a drought it's like buying a house and then losing your job like that that's the reality of it so things get pretty tight and that's what it's like out there now for a lot of them is that like 94 but, um, for you so it's going yeah to we, we moved in the, yeah 89 90 so it was yeah it was about that 93 394, yeah. something like that. Yeah, there's a drought we, we in somewhere too. in there. There was a flood in 92. Yeah. <laughs> and then flood. a drought and then a flood. Then a drought. 97, there was a massive drought again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we were feeding cattle and our back paddock was 200 acres, um, which we called the back paddock because it was furthest from the house. So it was a 200-acre paddock and the parents had dropped me off with a single-shot 22 and I think I'd have five bullets and I'd walk to the front gate of the back paddock and they'd go and, feed the cattle, check them, um, walk through them, uh, and then um, slowly crawl back down and meet me at the front gate. And the first, um, this is why I think I became a, a slightly a better ability at stalking is because I reckon we had about 20 gum trees in that 200 acres and there was nothing else <laughs> except us. So I didn't have much to hide in, but the first animal I shot was a black wallaroo. Yeah. Um, illegal as it was. And guess what? I only took one twenty-two bullet and I, I'm sure... <laughs> A lot of fellas out there have um, put more than one into a big black boy. So oh. they're a tough, heavy, solid critter. But um, anyway, yeah, dragged it all the way to the front gate. I don't know. It, it'd have to be five or 600 metres, and I was little. Proud I was a little. Proud, little. As, proud as punch. Oh, I was dying, but <laughs> I was proud. Drag this thing all the way home in my school uniform. I was in the sports clothes, so it would have been a Friday Arvo, a green tracky jumper with um, the white joggers on and yellow, green, and gold clothes. So I was in my camo. Oh, okay. And um, then, it, oh, then it progressed from there. So we didn't have any high powered rifles or anything. Yeah. Um, 22s. But then the, then the deer showed up, started seeing deer. I think I was. I never never shot much with that at a three oh three and I was that small when I fired it, it put me on my back. Like I couldn't even <laughs> I couldn't even I wasn't even stabilized. It just put me flat on my back. So I was like, no, you can't use that. That's awesome. Um, in pri- <laughs> in primary school that was and then later and then Yeah, and then yeah, when the deer started showing up, first thing we saw were the reds. Um yeah, right. I don't think I was looking before that, but yeah, the reds were 
were around back then. Um, and then I, I used to go shooting with uh, Max Young. There'd be a lot of people who heard of Max Young. He was a local roo shooter in the area. He, he taught me to shoot pretty well with the rifle. My pot taught me a lot. But um, when, uh, like when I ended up going with Max, I was that little in the ute. I can't remember the age, but when I started with just him and myself, um, he used to pick me up. I didn't have to drive up there, and I would have driven up there when I was 15. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was probably younger than that, and I had to take a pillow with me. <laughs> so I'd put the pillow in the passenger seat, and I'd kneel on the pillow and shoot out the window. That's awesome. And I, yeah, and I think I think I got. I think he didn't. He tried to wheel the vehicle around, but if he couldn't, yeah, I'd I'd shoot him. You have to shoot the ruse in the head. So yeah, he taught me a bit of um. I suppose you call it target panic with a rifle. Not be scared of the kick. Keep your eye open. All yeah. that sort of thing. It helps. Um, and, oh, and once I fired like. A good gun with a nice scope was like, oh shit, I need one of these. Instead yeah. <laughs> of the old open sights, um, yeah, and I got a. That's what that's what got me my first year. I nagged an, an uncle and he gave me a triple two, and it was a varmint barrel, so it was like however many inches long, an inch thick, triple two with a varmint barrel and some big heavy stock. Um, but yeah, I managed to shoot when I was fifteen. I think I shot art yeah. shot. Yeah. Here, boy, carry, here, boy, carry this. <laughs> oh, there's nothing around. It was me. I and I and and at that point, in primary school, before that, primary school pun. You know, what punishment for me was if I didn't do my homework. No shooting for oh, a week. Oh, brutal. I'd literally get. I had literally. Um, mine, was, mine was no fishing. No fishing. Yeah, mine was no fishing. Can't go fishing. You know that. You know that your country when that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big time. I yeah, you I don't think outdoors, it, kid. Put that way. <laughs> yeah, I think it's three k's to the back of our property, and I used to, um, I'd walk up from the house with a gun by myself. I think a couple of times, mum and dad drove up looking for me with the lights on, and one of those times I can remember, I um come back with a kangaroo. It was just so heavy it took me hours to drag it. I was dragging it all the way down off them. Like 3K just to show them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, oh, back before the internet and all that stuff. Was with, Definitely lit some kind of fire. I think, you know, everyone I seem to talk to has some, especially the ones that, especially a lot of, you know, men and women that I guess are kind of, not born into it, but like we're, are kind of in your blood. Like it, we're the ones that seem to be very passionate about it now. We don't sort of drift in, in and out of the sport, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's a, there's a, it's like, it's so, it's not, it's like a, there'll be a thing soon. It's like a, a Donnie Vincent cliche stuff where he's the one who best puts it into words how it happens. But there, it is like that. So after all that stuff and the rifle and everything, I always want to do it. But I also wanted to just climb mountains. Yeah. I, I sat on the school bus and looked at those mountains every day. Look out the window at those mountains. Well, I can also tell where people go shooting because of the photos. Because I can pick for, for 15 years, I rolled past that escarpment, that 30 or 40 k's of mountains every day. Yeah. Um, out the windows, but I just wanted to climb mountains. And then 
And then the hunting was walking. I love walking. I, st- I walk on property now I'm not allowed to shoot on. Like, I'm allowed to walk on. Yeah. Just... So I go finding antlers. And I just, like, 1,200 metres high mountains, it's as high as they get on the Liverpool range. It's 1,280 the highest. But yep. I'll be like, I'll just walk up there just to walk. So I'll do it without a weapon or with a weapon. It's just a desire. And then that desire to, to hunt, um, and like you said, you grow up with it. At first, I think it starts, it's like you talk about a hunting, a hunter matures. I suppose it's like anything. You go through an adolescent stage where you just want to kill things. And it's not to make them dead. If you know, it's, it's to kill them, to, to prove that you can do it, to yeah. practice doing it. Yeah. And I, I, I believe that's instinct because until 4,000 years ago, whenever we started cropping, and having domesticated animals, whatever that time period is, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not educated in that department. But for the last, however long before that, a million, two million years, it was our bodies evolved to eat and do this thing. And what these? Why not? Why? Same, why such a short amount of generation to take that out of our? Our DNA, like our system, yeah. like our, your conscious thought can override things. But when you don't let your conscious thought override this type of thing, it feels good. Then it's, it's like it's not the kill; it's not killing things. So then, as you get to that adolescence and you've done this practice of killing things, you see the change in everybody, and you follow people's Instagram stories, and and you'll see them evolve. Like my yeah. Instagram started as rifle hunting and then it actually, no, that was Facebook, sorry. Instagram came in later when I was, I think I was already bow hunting and rifle hunting. Same but different. But yeah, you, you see a lot of young fellas now. You see them and they're like 12 at school and little baby face and then five years later they're, and everyone goes through that stage and then I hit that point where I, still a vivid memory I'd, it, it helped that I gained access, but I was just standing on a log one day, a fallen tree, and this pig rooting the ground at my feet. And I'm like, I'm not, I can't do it for this. Oh, I just can't. I, I used to hunt pigs with a 30-30 lever action, and it was awesome. Um, and I couldn't do it. I'm like, I can't. I could put this gun six inches above this pig's head and pull the trigger. Yeah. And they are a pest, and they are causing havoc, but I just, it's not... I don't. Some farmers, when I hunt their properties, I hunt them and shoot them because they're a pest. There's yeah. one box now, a new box. I shoot all the pigs I come across because they're a pest. But other blocks I hunt on, I don't. I don't like killing. It sounds so. You sound like people hear it and they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, dickhead," he's just saying that for whatever. I don't post that on Instagram. I'm saying it on here. So other people are going to relate, but I don't like killing stuff i can do it easy you can disconnect there's not much i couldn't drop the hammer on like but it's not what it's all about for me i'd prefer that fulfillment that i don't know like being a predator <laughs> it's like that's the the whole point of picking up the the bow was because it's too easy to to, to do this i need to make it more difficult i need to be uh i, I don't know how to to explain it but yeah I, I like the challenge of it i like being in the bush so let's make it harder 
And then as it becomes easier, step it up again. And then once I got to a point now where I, I with the recurve, I really still, I don't shoot everything. It's good practice to shoot everything. I shoot my bow every day, but I still am really picky with the animals. Like people like I shoot some good deer. I've never shot a doe ever in my life with a bow. I just don't do. I see them at five meters, ten meters, fifteen meters, and and it's, I should be shooting them for vermin control. But the block I hunt them on is owned by a hunter. It's all for hunting. But I, I take no joy in that. Yeah. No satisfaction in that. And they're like, well, then people will look at it saying you're a trophy hunter. I take. I do like bone, but at the same note. A trophy hunter would see three big bucks and shoot all three. Me, I'll try and pick the oldest one or the one who's proving the most difficult. I won't shoot the easiest one that walked out. Um, even with the recurve, and this is the the reasons for taking. Um, so this year, I'm, my pursuits of red deer. I've spent the last four years learning little bits at a time, little bits at a time, and then listening to Kevin Schilf's post. And then talking to him, I've spoken to him on the phone a few times about things. Um, he's just a lot of little things that I've picked up over the last four years are clicking. Yep. And so this year I thought I gained access to um, a pretty good red deer block. Um, it's not big, but I'll make gets him on his lawn <laughs> so he says during the day they're over the mount, but at night they're on his lawn. You can't shoot him at night on your lawn. I'll get him during the day on the other side. But, um, of the mountain, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for some red deer and I'm gonna use the curve. I've never shot one with a bow. I've shot three with a rifle, and I'm still not gonna shoot anything small. And people, I don't have anything against anybody who wants to shoot a young animal or a hind or a doe or anything for for their first deer. But my first deer is gonna be the same as it would be, regardless of what the weapon, the weapon is. And it just, that's, that's why I do it. It's not even, it's not even a, it used to be an ego thing when I was younger. And you can see from people that this is where social media, it says people question, would you still do the same thing without social media? We all go through that ego stage or that thing on social media. Some people go through it quickly, some people for long, but it's sometimes you've got to question why you're, you're hunting and doing and and social media keeps me more interested. It's a, it's a inspiring for me, um, but I'd still do it with a recurve, with or without social media. Yeah. And 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 at the same note, I'm not doing it with a compound just to make a kill for social media. Yeah. If you know what I mean, or a rifle. Yeah. I'm I just, hunted. I hunted more before social media. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a. It's just a, as you said, evolving, but. If I can ask a few questions in regards to that, you you know, you, you obviously are in a good position that, you know, you can be choosy and picky and all those kind of stuff because you're amongst it, you're around it, you make time for it, which is credit to you. You know, you, you put it as as a high priority in your life is hunting. Do you think it, it helps in the way that, you know, you obviously got the guy going out, maybe gets out once for the rut a year, um, there's probably two kinds of those people. There's probably probably the guys that just can't get out there, you know, family ties, work ties, all those kind of stuff that just can't get there any other time of the year or the guy that just 
I guess possibly wants us to go and post that photo. But you know, would it be would it make a difference if you didn't have the the ability, the access, and that that you've got? Do you think that'd change? Yeah, I've been thinking heavily about that actually lately. Yeah, um, due to the fact that uh, I always think like um, it it is a big part of why I live where I live. Yeah, and um, family and growing up there. For work, I work for, um, well, now I was in mining for years and I lived in Moranbar and Claremont and I worked in all through Queensland and New South Wales and, and now I work as a fibre splicer. I'm a fitter machinist as a trade, but I'm now a fibre splicer for the last three years um, and do work with MBN mostly, but I've done Telstra work as well. And um, that takes me everywhere from Melbourne to bloody Northern Territory um, all over and always thinking where else would I live and everywhere it has to be revolved around hunting <laughs> and because now it's such a it is such a big part of my life but there's so many guys that I think in that same boat like you're talking that they just can't get the time it's so far um, I've got some mates here in Sydney that drive six hours and I do it every weekend for the next yeah. three months. Every yeah. weekend, six hours down, six hours back. They work their butt off. They work all um, year just to do that. Days, yeah. And, it, and I'd probably put my time and energy back into photography um, if I was like that as well. But I'd still have to do it. And, and it's getting worse as I get older. I don't know why. Um, it's... A, it's yeah, or I just, as I've said to a few people, I'd find a, a state forest and make it mine. Um, that's where a lot of people give up. They they do the old state forest hunt. I've, I've been thinking about doing, Nundle's not far from me. I've thought yeah. about going to Nundle a few times. Just that's to, a big place. There's yeah. A of, there's a lot of hidey holes. Exactly. And people go and do these state forests once or twice, but... You go and hunt a new property and the farmer says you see animals and you go in there, you might see a couple. That's what that's the same applies to state forest. It's covered in trees. Yep. You can't see them. doesn't mean they're not there. So I'd, I'd be looking at that, I think. And, and like I said, making time. I'm lucky enough. I work for myself as well. So when I come down to Sydney, like I'm in Sydney now, I just do 12-hour days, 14-hour days. Um, every day the job's done and go home. I don't dick around. I work my ass off, so I make time off, and 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 it's made it's made what it is. And being in the mining game before that with the roster, yeah, um, it allowed it. But it's also I need it now. I need it as a getaway. I need that exercise, that the mountains, I, and and I don't kill. I, I don't. I walk more. I, I probably my kill ratio versus hunting is probably one to four. I just go walking and say, well, why bother taking the boat? Because of opportunity. Yep. I don't have to, though. I don't have to knock an arrow. I see see enough animals, but I don't need to knock an arrow. Well, there's less now. Hardly see any pigs at the moment because they're dry. Yeah, like yeah. I said, the deer is scanty, but you never know. It's opportunity. What may walk out, um, what you may see. But if, if you're the one a year and you're looking forward to that, the best thing I would say to that is don't care what anyone else thinks. Do it for the reasons you want to do it. Big talk. You just want to 
going um, shoot ten bucks, go and shoot ten bucks. You're not hunting for to keep everyone else happy. I like sharing. I like educating and sharing to try and push what I feel when I go hunting. Yeah. Like I've I think I've got a really good follower base on Instagram, which is I don't use Facebook too much for it's more for my family and friends to the life in general. But Instagram is a big thing and and then for mainly for Yeah. Um got a really good group of people. Um, we'll go on to social media in a bit about that more in depth. But yeah, once a year, just you do it for you. Like, who gives a fuck what anyone else thinks? It, it, I went through a stage of saying, why you shoot that little deer? It's the only deer they got to shoot for the year. Yeah, yeah. It's, don't, don't, don't worry about what anyone else says. If the choppers come in and shot everything, and you see one buck, it's up to you whether you want to shoot that one that yep. one buck or let him grow bigger. But there'll be another buck there next year. He'll just be smaller because he'll be younger. Or it could be an older one that's come in, but there'll be another one the year after as well. What it depends you, what you want out of it. What changed for you? You just you just said something that, that intrigues me and I'll, I was, I was lining up with another question for you, but I'll start with this one. What changed for you when you, you were that person? Because... This is going to lead into a social media thing, and you know it, it's obviously so prevalent now. You know everything's social media; everyone's bickering to everybody, and I really try to stay out as much as I can and stay as positive as you know with within all groups um, as best I can. What what changed for you? You're the person that you said you made a comment, and now it's not. Like what what was that process? Like did you just grow the fuck up, or was it did something? Yeah. did something happen to you, or? <laughs> No, I, it's just age. Like it's weird. You can't, you can't tell people. You know, you're an old fella, so you can't tell them. You can't. We're young idiots. Yeah. Being self-aware is just not something that comes with being in your twenties. Yeah. Like, it really doesn't. He's mature beyond his years. They're not the ones who get attention. The guys that mature beyond their years are the guys that sit in the shadows. Oh, yeah. The ones we see being idiots, well, not being idiots, just being outspoken, just being not even argumentative, just sticking up for themselves, having an opinion, doing stuff that pisses other people off to get a reaction. Um, I think it's just age. Yeah. I just think it's the same as maturing as a hunter. It's, it's all that maturing. But when I'd, I'd, I'd shot enough when I'd shot with the gun, I'd never shot any monsters. Like the uh, biggest buck I ever shot with a gun was just 200, yep. which was big 10 years ago, but I didn't shoot it 10 years ago. I shot it five years ago. So, excuse me. I, When I stepped over the bow, I knew what I was in for. Um, I knew my patience. And then I don't know what it is, but I've gotten mellower. And not, and it's a big influence from older hunters as well. Yep. Um, and this is coming... And if we move into social media as a big influence as well. Um, people, some people look. There's two ways people look at social media. Oh, they look and see all the bad in social media. Yeah. I look at and see all the good. Recent things is Make that a perfect example. But look, let's be straight up. It's not the media that's doing it. It's the person or the yeah. people. 
it's opinions, it's it's egos, it's pressures, it's money, it's everything. Um, so that's what we got a little old Josh Rogers and his, his uh, free gear. He would have been sending <laughs> a few messages because I sent the old one. Um, uh. That's another thing, and yeah, you look at social. I look at social media and see good. See, when I grew up, we didn't have the money for magazines. I, I you hear all these these great bow hunting dudes growing up bow hunting, and I had a big stack of secondhand guns and ammo. My yep. fondest memory, and I know there's so many listeners are going to see this. What was on the back page of guns and ammo? The air rifles. Yep. There'd be five or six Daisy air rifles on the back page, or Gameco air rifles on the back page, and I'd always pick which one I wanted. And that's as much as I got exposure to anything socially related outside the world. And now everyone's got everything. See, there is the downside is people get shortcutted information, but they don't have to work for it. I literally worked for every bit of information I got. Nothing's been handed to me, but I don't mind passing that off to the guys who grew up in the city. They're in their mid-30s or they're 40 and they're just getting into hunting. I don't, who cares if they want to get shortcut? They didn't get exposed to this. That's a lot of disappointment. (laughs) It's like, just let them, give them help. This is a good test. This is a good test if you're really a true, really true hunter. This is, this is not an arrogant, but can you walk past a, a, a hunting magazine and not pick it up? Um, yeah, because I hate reading. I, <laughs> but can't. I, do like I don't read. I don't, I I don't read anything. But I do often open them now to see who's but in. But if it. you're on someone's <laughs> coffee table or like, especially an old one, oh, like no, guns and ammo, always. I cannot. Yeah, and I reckon yeah, I've got a, there's a there's a hunting camp I go into, and it's got a stack of old mags, and I reckon I read them every single time I go to that camp. The same ones. Same ones. Same mags. Same, same parties. And a mate. If you get the same feeling sitting in that yep. thing, that room. I reckon you showed me the back page of the Guns and Ammo from 1994. I'd probably have the, that <laughs> same. Um, I just thought about in the car driving down here. Yeah, I was, I was like thinking about the whole social media thing. Yeah. and That would prove that, if that, you've got real issues with hunting. Like if you can just, I can't walk past and I'll pick it up. But even that's, that's a social media and exposure too. There's guys that don't even... I was trying to think of how to put this in, in an easy term. It's like um, someone riding a bike down the road every day and then someone showing up in a car and driving down the road and they're like, suddenly that person that's been riding the bike every day wants to ride, drive in a car. And it's like, well, you never wanted to drive a car before. It's like, because I didn't know they existed. Yeah. yeah got hunting's the same. It's in... And a lot of, I think it's, it's good mental health for men. As you run on this, I'm big on instinct and what's deep inside and trying to hide it or whatever you, you want to do, but it's good. It, it makes people feel good um, to get out and not, it's the point of not killing. And so this exposure on social media, these guys never even knew this world existed. Yeah. And suddenly they're, they're, it's just clicked in the head. They're like, I can do that? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. 
Well, I always said, and I think I've mentioned this before, especially with probably Brad Murphy or Summers, but you guys would have to go back to some of those early episodes. But one thing I've always found with archery in general, and then obviously moving into bow hunting, is no one ever had to be the fastest. No one ever has to be the strongest or any of those kind of elite athletes. Like someone just wants has to want to do it. And that's why I think this really, you know, really stands up to so many people is that like I just want to I can just do it like I don't have to be the fittest I don't have to be that um and you see that in so many different ways and I think you know we've obviously made it into like a quite an elite oh we we call it within our little circle I guess you could say but you know hunting so small to the rest of the world but you know guys pushing the limits and you know the last last episode with Pego was a great example of what he's doing you know, but that's just his own goals. He's not doing it. For, he, he was a perfect example of doing something for yourself, not anybody else. You know, yeah. he's just driven to, as I say, you know, go over that next mountain, see what's there. Like, that's, that's purely himself. And I think we can probably take a lot out of those kind of people. Um, by yeah. all means, we love social media in a way that it brings awesome people together. I wouldn't know any of the people without it. Um, for all the guys I talk to now, you know, yourself included. Um, I wouldn't have Amber existed. <laughs> Look at it all, you know. And I think, I think you know, we're not saying for people to stop sharing their stories and their photos. And, well, like, I love getting tagged in stuff. I love the messages of, hey, man, I, you know, I saw me first deer the other day. And, um, and there's, there's one message, and I know he's going to listen to this. It's about four pages long. I will get back to that. But, you know, just trying to get as much information as possible. Like, that's awesome. I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm far from, you know, having all the knowledge and answers, but I've, I'll, give it, I'll give it a red hot crack. But, you know, and it's, that's really cool. Like, that's what, to me, social media is for. And I know there's been a few posts from a few people of late of all different age groups that I'm like, you know, this is on everybody's mind at the moment. And I think we're on a real pinnacle point with what's going on. Um, you know, the deer, all over the different, you know, regions getting hit you know like hunting's on a hunting's on an edge at the moment i really i honestly think that and i think social media has got a big part of it well that is real this is where credit the guys once the hunting in australia facebook got taken down for whatever report no one still knows i don't think mick gibbo knows what really happened there yep but since it's come back it is so clean those guys must be deleting comments every 30 seconds yep. from people who want to take away from other people. All I do now is see is positive. Like, it used to be quite negative in that same note where you'd see someone uh, shot a small deer, oh, why'd you shoot that deer? Yeah. Or oh, why'd you shoot this? But now it's just like, it is so not hard to give some 15-year-old kid who shot his first bloody spike of fellow a like. It's not hard. And that could change the way he thinks about the industry. A comment to say, well done, good effort. Hey, if you want to say, hope you eat it, it'll taste good. Hey, doesn't matter if you shot it under the spotlight or whatever the situation is, it's not hard to write a simple comment to start those before before this social media, we're all, every single one of us is now 
an ambassador for hunting, a publicist, the advertising agency, the photographers, everything. And this is how I do my posts on Instagram is I'd look at what I'd want to see, what would be interesting, how the photo should be presented, what I want to know about it. Not how I think when I was younger, I want to look and feel in the photo, not me personally. It's what how I want people to perceive the image. But I'm people who know me know I've been a photographer for a while and just dabble in it. Like I, I enjoy taking photos, um, and it, it's just a different way to think about when you when you take that photo. People say, "Oh, it's got blood," or "It's got an arrow." Look, we, as hunters, we don't care. As non-hunters, they take offence. But really, dude, I don't want to see a fucking arrow because it makes the animal look like shit. Yep. That's the plain and simple. A really nice deer looks like shit with an arrow sticking out of it and a big massive blood stain. I know that's life and you don't have to sugarcoat it, but it looks better without it. So let's just not be dickheads about it. It's, <laughs> it's life. It happens. It's, it's, it's life. It happens. But, but it still don't need to show so it. As Aaron Snyder said in a recent podcast, I jerk off every day, but I don't tell people about it. So he puts he, he puts it in a way too. Straight once as it comes, like it um it it yeah, it's just a, a way to think of portraying. So there's some um, young fella posts a photo of an Aaron and and people shoot at him. It's because someone else did it. Yeah. And, and but does he know? Going, but the thing is, does he know? No, and it's that's, not even that's, thinking and that's where education comes from. It's not now. It's attack. No, it's education. You can't shoot you know. everyone. They just don't know. Exactly. They just don't you know, know. they're Best not, they're not thinking about it. No, I, I never like when I was growing up. Never had any guidance. Like the first I shot after I shot my first buck, second buck, I shot three bucks out of one bachelor mob one day. I didn't even know their antlers got any bigger. I didn't know they dropped them every year. I just thought they had antlers. I'm going to shoot them. Um, so I did. From one position off the shoulder, dropped three bucks on the spot. Uh, um, I think it was a three-shot mag too, and it like just bang, bang, bang. Cut the back straps out, which I, I used to eat it, um, and cut the heads off and had really sore arms because it's a long walk home. <laughs> and if anyone's carried a deer by its antlers... Oh, it is shit. Sucks. <laughs> it's crap. You get the sorest arm. Uh, just ask Cameron Rand, Grant's little brother. I took him out hunting a few years ago. We we carried his t- first two deer backboarding antlers. Um, we had other stuff packed, meat and other whatever in his backpack. Anyway, um, I, my sister got uh, told someone at the pub and she copped an earful because back then deer were like, not many people knew they were around, and the guys that did, someone who hunted them found out, and she's like, got up me, and someone got up me. Anyway, there's a few people would know Andy Avard, who's not socially, he's not at all on any social media, but he's a, he's been a hunter for years. Anyway, his missus worked for mum and dad for a bit, and um, she said to me one day, she said, are you a hunter or a shooter? And I didn't, she didn't have to... Didn't even have to explain anything. It just clicked to me straight away. I think I was 17. Yep. Um, 
instantly, bang, I don't want to be a shooter. Got nothing against it. Whatever floats your boat. I want to be a hunter. In Australia, yeah. I just want to hunt. And she said, and she went on to say, because a hunter will hunt one deer and pick that deer. And it was from that point on, I started shooting just shitty cull heads yep. on a particular block. Yeah. Um, the next 10 years, I never shot a single trophy head off that block. Um, and it did pay off, but it took a long time. Yeah, yeah. But um, that, was, um, that was the closest I got to having an outside influence on the way I hunt. But now with social media, there's too many influences, we'll say some, but it's all us. We, we're the influence. Like The big thing I look at is, like you and I both know, and I know there's hundreds and hundreds of hunters out there, that I know that if, if, it, if social media was a clean place and no one said anything stupid, some of the stuff that we would see and get to see and stories to hear would be unbelievable. Like there is stuff happening now. Like I got to talk to a guy not long ago and what he has done... Is he on social media? Nope. And some of the hunts, some of the stories, and I'm just like, that is insane. Like, I'm hopefully having him on the podcast soon, but it reminds me I've got to call him. But, you know, and that that's what it comes down to. It's just like we're missing out on stuff because of the way people are acting. And people, like, really honestly, I don't care. We're never going to get rid of that. We're never going to get rid we're of that. We're not. Problem. We're not. But it's just something it's to think about. Hopefully the rest of us can outweigh it. And I yeah. think you mentioned Rogers before and, and everyone, you know, I love the feedback with all your guys' podcasts and, you know, he 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 says it's really well. Like, everyone's chasing the fame. And, you know, and then as soon as someone picks up a little bit, someone's nailing them trying to get rid of it. And I was like, he, w- depending on what way you want to target that, you know, let fame come to you, don't chase it. You know, and and you'll probably find it's going to be a lot more uh, real, <laughs> if that can make sense. Like the whole American social media thing is just ridiculous. Like the way that's gone, like the hunting thing over there. Like I just crack up laughing now, and I've done massive unfollowing of certain you know people and that over there because it's just rubbish. You know, they turn hunting into freaking you know the LA you know the LA freaking Star Walk. You know what I mean? And it's just shit, absolute shit. Yeah. And their content's that, rubbish. I'm like, where, where's the good hunting stuff? You used to be good. That was, that was on that podcast again with Snyder and the fella from Mountain Ops. They were talking about the grip and grin photos and those guys, I never even thought of it. You know, those really staged photos for those famous people. Oh. They actually set the deer up and let it go into rigor mortis. They freeze them. Fake eyes in them. Yeah. To make eyes look fresh. In Texas, like, if anybody doesn't know, it, those white tail on the green grass are frozen in that position with glass eyes. Don't ever let us get there like that. Don't ever. Like, we're, we're pretty real. Yeah. <laughs> we're pretty real in Australia as far as that sort of thing goes. So don't, we, we won't get there, I don't think. That's the good thing about Aussies is we do have those other people who... Let's make fun of that. At the same note, it can be annoying. Yeah, they. Well, at the same note, it can be annoying, but there's a lot of people who tell you to pull your head in as well. Mm -hmm. And talking of, like you said, we're talking about Josh and and, and getting um, 
fame and and things like that it you can tell the people are chasing and they're not as respected and that's that whole thing of how do you want to this is another thing for guys chasing that big animal which is the battle we all dream of hunting a big a big buck but what do you think of a person who just shows up with no journey they hardly ever hunt or they they uh they don't show anything and then suddenly they're with a big animal that's fucking fucking arsey prick well, what if <laughs> that's you know, a... <laughs> worked hard for it? You, you respect that animal, but if other people haven't, if you're chasing that big animal for trophy or whatever, you got to think of. I don't know how to word it, but yeah, there's 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 a different perception of what you think people think of you and what you think you. you if they were in the same boat, what would you think of them? It's just something to have to think about. If they were holding the deer you're holding. Would you think of them the way you hope they think of you? Well, I think I think it comes back to well, it's how you per- not perceive the hunt; it's the other way around. Like how you tell the story, I suppose you could say. Like if if you're the way I see it, if you're posting that on social media the minute you're getting into service, you've got issues. Like to me, unless you're doing an instance building and teasing people i love a good teaser photo oh teaser's is cool i i i giggle people hate them and i think it's funny because i'm like i know uh, there's people just nuts, driving but <laughs> I, it makes me actually check instagram about 400 times more like that that, that ripper red we're talking about before from rmk yeah RKM. Okay. like that was I good teaser like four days ago or three days ago his little teaser of the beam and or the measurement on his on his length <laughs> I've been waiting for that photo to come through. And look at it. I'm like, wow, and you know that thing's free range. He's often posting up trial cam photos. He's often posting Insta stories of yep. going there. He's so got you a story know to it. He's got a story. He worked hard for it. So yeah. it's not I, taking away people to do it for other reasons, but it, it does, it's, it's, that's, a, that's another, like you analyze what, we're going into it too much, mate. We're going, but it's all relevant. Someone's got to talk about it. Good chat. Yeah, everyone does a little bit. Yeah, but not publicly so much. Well, I just think I just think where we're at, you know, and and to probably you know to finish it off, and, and uh, you you mentioned it really really well was is we are ambassadors for the sport, whether you like it or not. Immediately you post something, immediately you say something. Um, especially this platform right here. I mean, you know, a massive one getting, you know, the growth is ridiculous. We, we have to be, we have to look after our, our, our life. I mean, it, it's my life. I, you ask my wife, she, I don't talk, do anything. Like I work to go hunting. Like that's what I do. I don't, I think you might even answered for me when you were, t- when you yeah. met someone the other week, like a motorbike or a quad. I have nothing else. Like, like I don't, I don't have toys or anything. Like I, this is what I do, and I, I like to look after it. And I bitch and complain to a few of you guys, you know, behind the scenes about things, but I'm not publicly gonna do anything to anybody. Like that's just, I just don't think it's right. Um, 
and even especially, and this will be my last little thing, will be if you're going to say something stupid about someone and then tag your sponsors in it, you want to have a real good fucking look at yourself because you're bringing yeah. those brands into your shit. And I hope a few people know what, who I'm talking to. Um, big wake-up call, like enough's enough. I know people that won't buy stuff because of that kind of stuff and they're Australian brands. So, yeah, I've heard the same comment. Uh, I've heard the same comments of, yeah. of people we, saying, just, you keep your sponsorship up or, or keep associating with that person and making you look like a dick. They are. Uh, and there's no need for it. Like to all the guys in Australia and I've been having numerous phone calls with everyone, you guys need to get on and and win, win the market together, not as not as enemies. Like get That's together. Sure, you've got the same line of products or whatever, but don't be enemies. We are way no too one small. No wear the same thing. No one. You get a group of ten people. We're not all going to buy it, regardless of how good it is, how well promoted it is. We're not all going to buy the same thing. Yep. Because no one wants to look the same as everyone else. Exactly. So but don't so, hate yeah, the other person. Yeah, but that it is it is Yeah, we just skewed off your point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ruined the point you were making. Oh no. We just this is turned into a mate like a social media talk, but it is a heightened period in the hunting industry for social media. And the conversation has to be had. I think so. Why not and this, Yeah. We sit and watch. I I I'm big on social media. I'm Again, on those points, to touch back on points, I've hunted with this last 12 months, I've hunted with six or seven people off Instagram. Yeah. And, and, to, and, and, um, <laughs> oh, Randy said to me one day, you're a social media slut. <laughs> I do it because I like the, they're good guys. And, <laughs> If I wanted to go and I went down with Josh Rogers with uh, Nick Amistos as well, but if I wanted to go down there and use them to take an animal and take a rifle on my compound, but I took my recurve. I want to go down there and experience hunting with those guys. Yeah. I was up north for work. This is all for work, thankfully. I was up north and hung out with Steve Coley and um, Benny Multima, and they're, they're all good dudes. This is what I do it for. This is yeah. what I love social media. Awesome. We were in, Pat Tynings and I went down and drove through a blizzard in November <laughs> to the hot country where the diesel froze in my car for four days and we ran into other hunters in the hut. And we had two awesome nights by a camp by in a high country hut with the car stuck out the front. <laughs> Just talking deer hunting. If it wasn't for Instagram and Facebook, I wouldn't have these connections. <laughs> Being any social bastard, hunting for my own reasons by myself, unable to share all this. So it's uh, it annoys me when people can't look at it from the same angle and Keep use talking, it for the I'm same gonna, reason. Keep talking, I'm just dying. You're dying? Yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> I'll take oh. over the podcast. Nah, please. Please do. Okay. You do a better job than me. <laughs> well. But, yeah. Let's try and go back. Let's try and go to a positive one again. What else than other New Zealand? Like I cut you off about ten times tonight, but oh mate, this is a this is a blinder, isn't it? This is this is like this is just a big session. <laughs> I think it's interesting enough for people to listen to. 
It's just opinion. It's just an opinion session. This is a column in a newspaper twenty years ago. <laughs> We, we, don't that. we don't have any newspapers writing now, so we've got to do something. No, no. And if we do, it's all bullshit. <laughs> we, could, we, could start talking, we could start talking politics, but fuck, that'd be boring. No. no. Now, so, well, what, what changed in that, yeah, that you asked before, I would jump back, I went to um, going to New Zealand. Was Well, I was lucky enough to win the prize through Arrowhead magazine to go and hunt um, with Tom Jones hunting. And I had the option to hunt chamois, tar, or red deer. Um, I want a red deer. And I want to hunt tar off my own back or with mates. Yep. So, and the same with chamois. So I, I picked reds. And so I'll go and hunt some reds. And then the plan was to stay in NZ and go solo for eight days. But then the opportunities come up. Um, with Pat and Harrison and a couple other blokes have balloted the same block on the West Coast in May. Um, so we've got the opportunity to be in the West Coast for two weeks with them and I'm just like, why not? i got to do it. This is, yeah. the this is the opportunity. I've got to do it. I sort of didn't have a desire to hunt tar. I haven't had the exposure. But, or, but I want to do it for the adventure. And like I said, I'm taking the recurve and the camera. I don't need to kill the tar. I need to experience the West Coast. You're not just I need to up, put, you're, not, you're not going half assed are you? You're just going right in. I, I don't. If I don't need, I, I won't ever go there with a compound. To be honest, if I don't ever kill one in, in my entire life, I don't care because for the same reason I don't do it for that. Yeah. I so that I'm dying when I get to the tops. I'm out of energy. I'm worn out and I sit down at the top of those mounds that I can't even fathom how good it is up there. Oh. And I enjoy that moment. I talked to Peggy about this on Instagram the other night. I'm like, that's that's it for me. That's it. If I kill, it's a bonus. And it's not the kill. It's the trophy that goes with it, that 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 urge. Yeah. That I want to eat one. I want to have the horns. I don't necessarily need the skin, especially now New Zealand's going to put them stupid rules in that we have to have a tan brought yeah. back. We can't bring back a green cape anymore. No, you can't bring it back soldered. It's got to be tanned. There you go. Boy's going to boy's gonna be busy. Yeah, yeah. Same reason I want to go to the States and hunt. Elk. I don't want to take my compound. I'm stubborn ass. I'll take my recurve over there. Do you call them in? They're going to be in your lap. I'll have an over-the-counter tag. The ultimate for me, I don't, I don't need to do it. I don't, so I'll do it the hardest way possible. <laughs> have an over-the-counter tag with the recurve. Mate, they're uh, some giants doing it. Don't worry. Any, any uh, for that matter. Yeah, so yeah it's the same. Montana, the tar, the Montana's going to get lit up by Aussies this year. Oh yeah, you'll be like, there's a good crew. Like, there's a good, <laughs> not me. I'm not in Montana, but there's a good crew going. I know who they uh, are. There, yeah, that shouldn't have made them happen there. <laughs> yeah, anyway, be like a few years ago in a certain spot, maybe waving at each other. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's right. Spot they're all friends. They're all friends and family. They're all good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nah, nah. Well, I mean, New Zealand's just one of them ones. It's well, I don't know. I think it's just one you got to tick off the list. I'm getting there. I was going to try. I, don't, to, I was going to try. Don't, to fit no, it in. It's like. New Zealand, I assume, is like having kids. Everyone's got an opinion till they've done it, and then they know what they're talking about. I've got to be really honest. I don't know what way you're going to take that, but 
that was a good one. I like that. Uh, you know what? You know how it is. All you people with kids know exactly what I mean. Oh. Uh, should be doing this, shouldn't we? Uh, you got no idea until you have kids. No. And I, I'm assuming the West Coast of New Zealand um, no. is like having kids. You don't know until you've been there and done that. It does and sound you can like what you like, but you don't know. It sounds like everybody that goes in there too has a different experience at the same time. Yeah, well, I'm hoping my attitude going in, I come out because I've got no expectations. Yep. I don't need to kill a tar. I don't have a super desire. I'll probably get there and be like, yeah, give me some. <laughs> but um, I want to go there for the adventure. So in every way, shape or form, I'm going to be walking out of there happy. Mm. Unless I break my spine or something, I don't know. Let's, um, let's, let's have, not hope. I'll have a good story. I'll have a good story in me. Yeah, well, that'd be, that'd be one for sure. <laughs> that'll be one for sure. What, uh, um, have you got anything after that or is it just, just those two? Is that all you got planned for the year? No, nah, just those two for now. I've got to hit, hit some, um, uh, head south and hit up some Samba country. Oh yeah. Again, there's so many people I want to hunt with. Yep. Um, and hunt differently with it's not hard i literally message people when i roll into a town and say i'm here yeah that's cool yeah i don't even take weapons just go for a walk just meet people new exposure yeah. so that's that's all up for it and then i don't know i'm gonna go to america in the next five years 100 yeah yeah i don't no idea what i'm gonna have i reckon hunt. you'll be a mule deer man i don't mind I'm whatever My country mule deer with a recurve man the old South Cox style. It's a bit of a thing with the old... Um, Just a few arrows. Yeah. Just What's a few arrows. <laughs> uh, I'm terrible at all. Yeah, well... I, yeah, I don't know what... Yeah. Recurve, recurve is is definitely a keeper. I still well, shoot the compound, but recurve is just... It's everything that I... And I saw Donnie Vincent's now hunting with the recurve and he's like, I'm like yeah <laughs> cool because i respect that dude so much for yeah. making whatever you, what some of us think putting it into words and film so does he yeah. write, does he write his stuff or someone write it for him right his own stuff in in a lot of his podcasts you'll hear him talk of when he started writing he started sensationalizing Okay. And his producer said, what is this shit? Donnie, just write how you talk <laughs> in a roundabout way. Yeah. No, I, he... I really haven't. I've got to be honest. I haven't really sort of got into his stuff. But Oh, mate, if there's a podcast, I listen to it. His, 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 his way of filming, I would, I would love to. Like I've just, we've just got a gimbal. I'm going to try and do more because I'm going to try and do more stuff. Um, but the way when I first watched the rivers divide and his previews, I'm like, that's how I want to see hunting. I still haven't seen that. That's bad, is it? It it is just the way and the way Jerry and Brad tell their stories. Yeah. the The cinematography just brings so much more emotion to a movie and a film. And if you haven't seen the rivers divide. So good. Yeah, I've watched the other side. Um, I bought it as well. Um, it was too long for me for a hunting film. Okay. I need a hunting film about forty minutes. But again, 
it's pretty full on. Is the, the other side is full on. Do you watch? Um, um, do you watch Western Hunter? No, I oh. don't. I don't watch. I watch a few. I watch the um, Born and Raised guys. It's addictively real. At how weird that is, and I watched a few Sala Hunter films, and yep. I don't really get into it that much. I, I don't have a lot of time. If you like the cinematography stuff, and talking about Donnie Vincent, the way he talks, but that Nate Simmons on Western Hunter, yeah, yeah, he's awesome because he really like he really like he talks you through what he's thinking, like the way he sits on the side of the mountain, the way he talks is unreal. That's that's unreal. that's that's things that on that social media side, which people who don't hunt and don't feel the same way we do can relate yep. to that kind of language. My wife won't watch too many, but she, she'll watch that Nate Simmons once just because of the way it's put together. Like it's not, um, you, you I can know, reflect, hard, I don't know how to say it, but you can reflect emotion. If you, you can know, put an emotion in somebody at the same time so that they can feel the emotion you're feeling in the moment, and understand why you're feeling that emotion, they can sympathize and relate. And that's the only way we can bring non-hunters, less exposed people, aunties around, is to make them feel the way we do. And the only way to do that is through visual and audio. Oh, definitely. Capturing it. Going, Yeehaw, look a goddamn shot. No, I shouldn't say it in an American voice. It's saying an Aussie voice, but I can't. <laughs> There's no point doing it like that. Oh, there's a big difference between the, you know, between the TV stuff and, and the stuff that's getting made now over there. It's yeah, they've got oh, a, it's the whole. I, I look at it. all the like. I wish they had ten full drawn film festivals every year. Oh, it's it's seventy level. Some of that sheep stuff and that, just with the country and the way that, and I mean drones has opened up a whole other thing. But oh yeah, there's drones on the card too. I mean, I've said it so many times on here, I know, but like, I just, I wish people got to see behind the scenes of, you know, guys like, like, which I've been lucky enough with Brad and Jerry, like, you know, what they go through and the time involved. If people actually knew what, you know, we'd pay hundreds of dollars for the films, you know what I mean, each. If we actually knew what they go through. I said to Brad down at the Deer Expo last year. And he said they're going to start like releasing stuff for free, not doing DVDs. Yeah. I paid bucks to see a twenty-minute clip. Yeah, and that's uh, ninety-five to see a twenty-minute clip. If they didn't release fifty of them a month. Yeah, but it's hard, isn't it? Like it's sort of you know the YouTube's and all that kind of stuff has made it really tough for. It, it is hard. I go next level, you know. So, if anyone watched that little tiny short video I did with my phone of Steve. Um, it's on my YouTube channel. I'm Steve um, Colley shooting that boar. I just filmed it like I was wearing my work clothes and a borrowed shirt and um, followed Steve around and just filmed a few snippets. It took me three hours. Yeah, just that. That, like that. that. Two minutes, two and a half minutes. Watch it. It's got one soundtrack and it was that was quick. Yeah. And that was three hours. And that's nothing. Because the, the simplicity of that editing program is is nothing on what these other guys use. Yeah, insane, so, eh? insane. I'm looking forward to doing some more. <laughs> so, well, I yeah. guess that's you know when you when you sort of reach a few goals with the honey and stuff like that, and you know that that's oh, sort of what 
you know, people ask me about, you know, I've lost access and stuff like that back here. And to be honest with you, I, I'm over the politics of the the access and, you know, sit, sitting there stressing whether I've got somewhere to go hunting, you know, for the rut. So, you know, the states and all the tag game and all that kind of stuff, like that, that's what keeps me interested in it. Keeps me something, get, I've got something to look forward to. I know it's sort of open slather over there. Um, I'm lucky enough, like my plans have changed. I know I mentioned Moose and that, that, that got pushed back till next year now just for logistic reasons. Um, mainly because my guide went and drew his own door sheep tag. That didn't help, but, um, but we're, I'll go and experience the Colorado high country and we'll go and chase mule deer. So any luck the tag comes my way and there's a few other boys going to do it. So I've already got something to look forward to. So whatever comes between now and then, yeah, I'll just take it on. Yeah, that's it. If you can't, if you can't, I wrote an article, my first article, because if people don't know, I'm an editor for the last two years for Australian Deanna Mag. I put in articles each time. Um, I've still got to write one for this month. Yeah, you get to that. <laughs> first one I was writing about transferring from the rifle to the bow cured my hunger where other people will go for bigger game rather than increasing the challenge of the hunt, yeah. which I found the bow put in a hole. And then now I didn't even get anywhere near to half perfecting the compound and I've stepped, stepped up the again. game again. I'm yep. not doing a Steve Stockwell and going for the old spear anytime soon. <laughs> I may go longbow. I may turn into a, a, a longbow shooter in time, but... My next thing now, well, I don't even need a grand slam. I'll just be getting those few, yeah, stepping something different, something more challenging. Yeah. And um, that may be, well, Samba, they've eluded me. <laughs> I did shoot Josh Rogers and I posted that. It shot on dark and she bedded, but we didn't see her there. And we got about three feet away and she jumped up and ran into the gully and we were on Lake Hilden, so we couldn't search for we had yeah. to catch the boat back in the boat and go back but um yeah challenges challenges like that little things you can't hunt the rut you can't do that you've got no access anymore to most of your property so you're setting yourself these other goals if you live in sydney you have no access there's a country south of here called victoria if you go online you can hunt half the joint without yeah. paying a cent that's a challenge for Make you. Make it happen. And to go with it, just so, awesome if you don't, country. Just awesome country. If if you don't set a hunting goal, you won't do. You won't do anything. Well, so it, set, set a goal. I think it comes goal. back so, for the. It comes back to the reason you want to do it. The reason you're hunting. At the end of the day, that's what it comes back to. For someone that's wants to go out for a shot, all means go for it. We've all got our different. But there's got to be, you know, you would think there'd have to be a goal there somewhere if you want to continue doing it. Yeah. People do it for the love. Go out and love shooting bunnies. They love shooting. I love shooting a gun. I don't do it often. But people love it for the love of it. Those people I feel sorry for if you don't have access because you can't just go up and light up a state forest. <laughs> bunnies under a spotlight with a twenty two, mate. There is nothing better. I will do yeah. that all night. All night. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, man, that was the most random podcast I think I've ever done. 
We jumped all over Scotland, then we nearly finished, and then we go again, nearly finish and go again. Oh, the women would be happy if that happened also. Just spilt me drink. Look at that. We got right through nearly two hours and spilt me drink. Well, man, best of luck for the rut. I'll probably catch it at some point. And yep. hopefully someone got a giggle out of something like this. Hopefully someone take a bit out of our little rants. And uh, I promise there won't be too many rants in the coming ones, but this one's been coming for a while. So. I hope this came across all right. It'd be uh, the best leaving note is not how you see others, but how you want them to see you. That'll do it. Donnie Vincent, thank you. <laughs> I needed it. He's got hair. <laughs> See you later. All right, man. Later. Well, hey, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hunting Camp Down Under. As always, I'd like to thank Hoyt Bowhunting for their ongoing support of the podcast. Now, if you're only new to the podcast, you may not know that I also do a hunting application service for the United States, chasing the elk, mule deer, and everything else you want to throw at over there. So, guys, if you have any plans over the next couple of years on hitting the States, there is no better chance to start now with applying for points. Um, it is too much to explain how it works, but drop me a line, uh, shoot me an email, send me a message on Instagram, uh, huntycampdownunder at gmail.com is email address shoot me an email I'll get you a form I do need your details and we'll link up for a phone call and uh, get you lined out so it does cost a bit of money to get going but if you ask me it's well worth it and uh, looking forward to see what comes up this year there's some guys that are patiently waiting on their seats to see what tags they draw including myself so really looking forward to it and um, as I said shoot me an email if you if you've um, got any plans to get over the states anyway guys that's enough for me uh best of luck for uh for any hunts that's coming up and uh and we'll see you in a couple of weeks bye for now